That's where God calls us on a moment-by-moment basis, a day-by-day basis, to be humble before Him and before His cross. As we begin this morning, I want to uh, wish you all very... Hope you had a great July 4th yesterday, and my wife hates me saying this, but I say it every year. Once the 4th of July comes and is gone, we're on a straight path to Christmas. There's nothing to stop us. So, snow flying before you know it. Now, if you're just joining us, we've begun a a new sermon series, and the sermon series is about one book in the Bible. It's called Colossians, and actually it's a letter, and we're doing this for uh, two very uh, distinct reasons. First of all, whether you're a new believer or you've been around the Bible most of your life, it still can be very intimidating. There's just so much to the Bible. So what we're doing is taking our time and working through just one book in the Bible. Once again, it's actually a letter. We're going to make our way through this book uh, together to get an idea of how to study it, how to study the Word of God, and how the Word of God wants to work in our hearts and work in our souls. So first and foremost, to, to get a, a taste of studying through one book in the Bible. Secondly, we're reading it because it's very relevant. This, this letter that the Apostle Paul writes to the Colossians is very relevant to us today. Let me give an example. Paul didn't know these people to start with, and he was writing to them because he had heard about their love, and that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But uh, they had come to, know, come to place their faith in Jesus, but others were coming into the church, and they were confusing them. They were saying things like, well, it's all great that you know Jesus, but you need all these other things and all these other experiences. And and when Paul hears this, he becomes very angry. So he's writing this letter to encourage them, but also to help them filter out all the influences and help them to focus on one thing. And it's the one thing that you and I need to continuously focus on every day of our lives, and that is Jesus. And what we're going to see as we study this, if we've got Jesus, we've got more than enough. So we're going to move this morning to the, uh, the next few verses, verse 3 through verse 8. We looked at 1 and 2 last week. This week we'll look at verse 3 through 8. And the theme this morning is thanking God for love. We're going to see this in Paul's words. He's just thanking God for the love that's breaking out amongst these young believers. Our uh, brother, brother Jason is going to read the scriptures for us this morning. And if you're willing and able, would you please stand for the reading of the word of God? Good morning. Good morning. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which come from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. You have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news, this same good news that came to you going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from the uh, Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping, helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. Father, we thank you for that Holy Spirit that you've given to us through our faith in Jesus Christ. We thank you for the love that they experience is the same love that we experience. And we're experiencing more and more of it in the life of this one church in two locations. So, Father, as we ponder your words, help us have a deeper, richer understanding of the incredible love that has been given to us in Jesus Christ. Bless your word and bless your people. And we pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Amen and amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Thank you, Jason. Thanking God for love. Paul, in this portion of the letter, it's almost as though he's breaking out in thanksgiving. And he's thanking God because what he's hearing about these people, these new believers, that the love of Christ is getting deeper and richer amongst them. That's what we want in our lives. We want it in our personal lives. But we want the city, we want the neighborhood, we want the world to know that the the love of Christ is in this one church and two locations. Now, before we uh, jump deeper into the Word, let me just give you a little historical background of what's going on because it has bearing on what we're going to read this morning. And the historical background is very simple. This is one of several letters that Paul has written, writing to people that he doesn't know, but he's... What would help, help for us to know is that he's writing from prison. Now think about that for a moment. He's in chains, he's in prison, writing this letter, and yet he's thankful to God. Now I don't know about you, but if it was me, I would be writing a letter, and what I would say is, brothers and sisters, pray for me, because I poured my life out for the Lord, and this is the thanks I get. I'm in jail. But that's not the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is thanking the Lord for what he's hearing about that's happening in the lives of these young believers. And the reason it's happening in Apostle Paul is one simple reason. He is absolutely, positively free in the love of Jesus Christ. Even though he's in chains, even though he's in prison, he's absolutely free because he has received the love of Christ, and the love of Christ is working powerfully and mightily in him. As you and I experience, and you and I desire more and more of the love of Christ, we are going to get set free more and more and more. You might, be, you might be battling depression. You might be battling drugs or alcohol. You might be battling anger. It might be any number of things. But the more you come to know the love of Christ, the more that stuff is going to fall to the wayside, and the more free that you're going to feel deep down in your soul. So that's why we study these letters. That's why we ponder these things. That's why we share these things together. Now, I want us to see three reasons, three particular reasons in this passage that will help you and me understand more deeply that Paul is giving this thanks to the Lord for the love that he's hearing about in this wonderful church in the city of Colossae. If you've got a pencil out, uh, what I'd first have you do is take out from your uh, bulletin uh, the the handout that looks like this. It says, Jesus is more than enough, thanking God for love. There's, there's a few words I want you to write down. And the first word that you're going to write down this, this morning is the word confidence. God's love breaking out in their lives is giving them confidence. Paul has confidence in his life because of the love of Christ that's working mightily in his life. And God wants you and me to have more and more confidence. But our confidence is not in ourselves, but it's in the power of the love of God working in our souls, in our hearts, and in our lives. That's exactly where we, where we want to go. Now... Paul writes a verse in Philippians. He's writing similar things to these people in the city of Philippi. And he says this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Being confident, there's your word, confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Now, what is he saying? He's saying that God began a work in you the moment that you trusted in Jesus as Lord and Savior. And God in Christ Jesus has taken upon himself to make that work good all the days that you're walking in this world until you come home to be with the Lord forever and ever. Amen. So God is taking the responsibility. Therefore, we can put all our trust and confidence in him. Now, here's some other words that he writes in that same passage. You've got it on the overhead. 
It's verse 3 through 5 in, Philipp- in, the, in the letter to the Philippians, and he says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. He's thanking God for the Colossians, but he's also thanking God for for, uh, the, the Philippians. And we need to thank God for what God is doing in us and amongst us. Now, here's why. In verse 3, if you look at the passage that we're looking at this morning, he says, we always pray for you and we give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There we go. Once again, he's thanking God because God is doing the work. If you believed in Jesus as Lord and Savior, God is doing a work in your life and you can be confident of it from beginning to end. But he goes on to tell us three very distinct things that will help us. Look at verse 4 with me. For we have heard of your, number one, your faith in Christ Jesus. Now, it's significant that he says Christ Jesus. This, uh, this New Testament was written in Greek, and the word Christ is Christos, and it means the anointed one. Uh, the, the Hebrew people would call him the Messiah, but it's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So he's saying your faith in Christ Jesus, your faith in the one who's created the universe, your faith in the one that has spoken all things into being. You can have confidence in him. Now, that faith turns into love. You see, Jesus Christ is, and John tells us in 1 John chapter 3, he says, God is love. Jesus is love. It's not that Jesus is loving, it's that he is love itself. Now, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that the fullness of the love of Christ enters into you, but it doesn't stay in you. It's anchored in you, but it begins to flow through you, and that's what's happening amongst them. The love of Christ is now flowing through them to one another, and they are finding a deeper and richer love for the Lord, but they're also finding a deeper and richer love for one another. He goes on to say, which comes from your, there's your word, confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. Now, here's your anchor. He's saying to them, you've got faith, you've got love in Christ Jesus, because you've got an unbelievable hope in Christ Jesus. And the hope is that God is storing up a treasure for you in heaven. The moment that we trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, we said this last week, we'll say this every week, our home is no longer in this world, it's in heaven. We are just foreigners and sojourners making our way through this world. We are headed to the glory of heaven forever and ever. Amen. So you know what? We know how the story ends. That's important. Because the truth of the matter is, we go through a lot of trials, we go through a lot of disappointments, we go through a lot of discouragements in life. And they can weigh us down. But if we know how it all ends, it lifts us, it encourages us in those difficult times. I was uh, watching the news this past week. And uh, the sports came on for just a brief moment. And I forget who the Red Sox were playing, but they lost 11-2, to something like that. So later on that night, it comes on, we turn it on to ESPN or whatever it is to watch the game. And in just a few minutes, I begin to realize this is a replay of the earlier game, so I know how it's going to end. And I think to myself, I don't want to watch this game. I don't want to see them lose 11-2. to two. But a few days before that, I saw a clip of the game on the news, and they had won 8-4. to four. That game I wanted to watch. Now I want to watch it because I knew how it was going to end. And if the socks fell behind, I wouldn't get panicky and angry. Because I knew sooner or later it was going to turn around. Listen, you and I have an unbelievable hope that gives us confidence in life. 
We know how it all ends. Listen to what he says in the rest of the verse here, in this portion. Which, from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven, you have had this expectation ever since you first heard the truth of the good news. Expectation. Listen, that faith, that love, that hope that we have gives us confidence, but it also raises our expectation, raises our expectation about life, that Christ Jesus is working in us, in us individually, but we can see him working powerfully in the life of these two churches. So, so God wants us to be confident in him and what he, giving thanks to him that love is getting deeper and richer in these two locations, this one church and two locations. Now, here's the second reason we want to remind ourselves. The second reason is that, that love was working in them and love is working in us is that it changes us. This powerful, wonderful love of God, it's intended to change us. Now, listen. Jesus said this in the Gospel of John. Wonderful verse. I encourage you to memorize it. Whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Not might have eternal life. They possess it. They have eternal life and will not be condemned. That word condemned in the New Testament means you could could pull that out and substitute it with damned. Will not be damned. That person has crossed over from death to life. There has been a, a magnificent, a wonderful change that's happened in that person's life the moment that they trust in Christ as Lord and Savior. The Apostle Paul will say later in this very letter, As for you, you were dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ. Something has changed and something has changed dramatically the moment that a person trusts in Jesus as Lord and Savior. Now, Paul, is he's teaching that to these people. They needed to understand that. You and I need to understand that. Like we said last week, you will never be the same again. The moment that you trust in Christ, you are a new creation in Christ. You'll never be the same. You once were a a worm crawling around in the dirt and the dust, but God came along and he weaved around you what's called a cocoon. You came out of that cocoon and you came out as a butterfly. You will never be a worm again. You might want to go back and play with your worm buddies. But you're going to have a hard time because your wings aren't going to allow you to do that. You're something brand new. And as something brand new, you're designed to fly, not crawl around anymore. So Paul was teaching that to them so that they would believe it and celebrate it. So that you and I will believe that. And you and I will celebrate that we've been made something new. Now, in light of that, listen to what he says in the next couple of verses. I'm sorry, in verse 6. Now, this same good news. Now, when you see that good news, you can substitute that for a gospel. It means good news. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the greatest news in the universe. This good news that came to you is going out all over the world. Listen, hallelujah. You know why it's going out all over the world? You know why it was going out all over the world 2,000 years ago and it needs to go out all over the world today? Because people are in desperate need of good news. And the greatest news in all the world, the greatest news in all the history, the greatest news in all the universe is Jesus Christ. That's what he's celebrating. That's what he's talking about when he's thanking God for the love of God, that they have come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. Jesus said this in Matthew 24, 14. This gospel of the kingdom of God will preach in the whole world. And then the end will come. We want Jesus to come back as soon as possible. He may be coming back very soon. But before he can come back, he says, you've got to get the word out. You've got to get the message out. You've got to tell your family, your friends, your neighbors, your co-workers. They need good news. 
Now, Paul goes on to say, uh, because of what's happened in your life, look at, look at this. It is bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your life from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You see, when, when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, uh, God's power, his love, his grace is working on the inside of you, and it can't help but bear fruit. Think about that. Uh, Jesus is the one, and Paul will, will point this out in another couple of weeks. We'll look at the scripture. Jesus spoke the universe into being. Scientists tell us that there was a big bang. Well, that was Jesus speaking, okay? <laughs> he, he, was speaking, he was speaking the universe into being just by his powerful word. And then he says all things hold together by his powerful word. Now, that powerful word came into you. And man, you've got to believe it's going to make some changes. You've got to believe it's going to bear some fruit in your life to the world around you. And God is going to use you to touch the hearts and lives of others that it might bear fruit in their life. But he says something significant. I don't want you to miss this. Listen to the rest of the verse. Change your lives from the day you first heard. Okay? Now, now, now Paul says in Romans chapter 10, verse 17, uh, faith comes through hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. So you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. The truth about God's wonderful grace. Take a pencil, would you, and just underline that, circle it. Take, make arrows that point to God's wonderful grace. Listen, that's what Paul is celebrating. God's wonderful grace is working in the hearts and lives of these young believers, these new believers. They're being changed and transformed. But they had to hear it first. It had to be preached to them. They had to respond to it. But then they had to, then they have to have time to understand it. You see, you and me, we, we can't grasp grace. You can't understand grace in your humanity. I can't understand that God could declare that he has forgiven me one time for all times. I can't understand that God can say to me, I forgave you for your yesterday's sins. I'm going to forgive you for the sin that you commit today. And I'm going to forgive you for the sins that, are, that you're going to commit tomorrow and the rest of your life. I have forgiven you of those. I have wiped them clean. But here's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind can conceive the good things that God has for those who love him, but the Spirit has revealed it to us. The Spirit of God in you, the Spirit of God in me, has got to reveal to you and me God's unconditional love, God's grace. You see, all of your sins, if Jesus died 2,000 years ago, all of your sins, how many of your sins would have been, been in the future? All of them, right? 2,000 years ago, all your sins would be in the future. And Paul says in this very letter, and he forgave us all our sins. Now, he forgave us all of our sins so he could give us grace. You see, our life isn't about sin. It's about grace. We still sin because we're human beings. But God isn't about our sin. He's about his grace. But we can't understand. It's got to be revealed to us by the, by the Holy Spirit. Uh, I've said this many times. I'm going to say it again this morning. I got saved when I was about 12 or 13 years old. But the church that I was in, uh, they never talked about salvation. They never uh, explained what salvation meant. I, I didn't know anything about what had happened to me, but I knew something powerful had ha- happened to me. I'd been changed, transformed. But, but because nobody taught me anything, I went a long ways from God. Man, I was a poster child for reprobate. But... And in fact, I remember, I remember when I was in high school, I would see, you know, you, you know those summer days? 
and the, the clouds go all across the sky and the sun's setting and, the, and it seems like those clouds are on fire. They're red and gold and yellow. And I would see clouds like that and I'd think, oh my word, Jesus is coming back right now and I am toast. All the sin that I've committed, he's gonna, I'm going to be the first one he's going to cast into hell. But one night I was listening to the radio, looking for a Celtics game, and on that radio I came across a radio station, and a man was talking about the wonderful grace of God, the wonderful grace of God. And he was teaching that God had forgiven me of my sins one time for all times forever so he could give me his love. Just give me his love. No cost. Just give me love. And I'm thinking, this, this can't be true. So I went out and I found a Bible, and I, I listened to him again. I looked up those passages, and he was quoting word for word. And I thought, man, I've got I, I to gotta hear more about this. And I began to read it myself. And it was changing me. And as it changed me, I started thinking, other pe- do other people know this? They've got to hear about this. I want their lives to change. Oh, my word. Talk about freedom. You see, this is what Paul is celebrating. These people are beginning to understand the grace of God. God wants you and me to understand more and more the unconditional love of God given to us in Jesus Christ. Because here's why. The third thing that I want you to write down is two words. That uh, God's love partnered with me. You see, God wants to partner with you and me. Can you imagine that? The, the creator of the universe wants to make you and me his partner. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, that's what the Apostle Paul says. You are, you are co-workers, fellow workers with God. That's stunning. How on earth could God trust anything to us? We, we, we screw it up so many times, but that's, that's God's heart. He wants to be co-workers. He wants to be partners with. That's what Paul says in, first, uh, in Philippians chapter 1, verse, verse 5. It's right there on your outline and on the overhead. Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, we see it in this passage because of a man named Epaphras. Listen to what Paul says about him. Verse 7. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. Now, scholars tell us that he was probably the one that got out on the streets in Colossae and started handing out tracts and talking to people. He was probably the one, a Gentile guy, that went into the synagogue and started talking to Jewish people about their Messiah, Jesus. He was the one that probably would go on a soapbox someplace on a corner preaching to crowds. And people began to come to faith in Jesus. And they started the little church and got that little church going because of Epaphras. He's a beloved co-worker. But you see, he's doing it because he was all in for God. Listen to what it says next. He is Christ's faithful servant. And he is helping us on your behalf. Now that word servant, in, um, in Greek, the actual word is doulos. Now, what it means is to divide, and what it literally means is to divide dust. Now, if you hang around a church for, for a while, you'll excuse me, you will hear about the deacons. We get that word from doulas. Deacon, it means a servant. It means somebody that is on their face before God. It's somebody that's willing to be all in for God. Uh, in the ancient Greek world, uh, it was the guys in the, the depths of the uh, ships that were rowing. They were rowing these big, huge ships, these great, big uh, Greek ships, because they were, they were less than nothing. Well, what Epaphras is saying, I am less than nothing on your behalf. Because of what Jesus has done for me, man, I, I'm devoting my life to serving Jesus. And if I'm going to serve Jesus, what I'm going to do is I'm going to serve you. Whatever you need, I'm going to do. Whatever you want, whatever I can do for you, I want the love of Christ to humble me so much that you just ask and I will be there. 
I mean, that, that's stunning. That's love. That's the, that's the love of Christ working in this man. But it doesn't stop there. He says, uh, he's helping us on your behalf, and he has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. The love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So what is Epaphras doing? He's, he's living out that love. The Holy Spirit came into his heart. The Holy Spirit's come into your heart the moment that you trusted in Jesus. And you know that love gets deeper and richer, and you'll experience more and more, more of it when you find yourself serving the people around you. Saying, you know, Jesus died for me. I want to die for you. I want to serve you. That's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul was celebrating. That's why Paul was thanking God. That's what this all begins with. He's not thanking them. He's thanking God. Because God is doing this magnificent work in them. And he's so excited. Don't you get excited when you see God working in people around you? Don't you get excited when you feel that love of Christ getting deep and rich? Don't you get excited? Don't you feel great when you just humble yourself and, and, and love your brothers and sisters and serve your brothers and sisters? That's because God is working in this church, in this one church in two locations. That God has given us a confidence in him. He's begun the work. We, we can't start anything in and of ourselves that's anything spiritual. He's doing the work. And he's changing us as he does it. And as he changes us, we're partnering with him, and he's using us like he did a power for us. We're just, we're just instruments. We're just vessels in his hands. So you got a little assignment this week. My assignment is, is that for you this week is that you, you pray this week, and you think about somebody that's been ministering to you, and you thank God for that somebody that's been ministering to you in your life. And you just pray for that person. Not only thank God, but ask God to bless that person. And, and hopefully, you're a person that somebody else is thanking God about. Okay? This guy named Ken Landis, and Ken Landis drives two and a half hours to church on Thursdays and on Sundays. So if he drives two and a half hours to church on Thursdays, he's going to drive two and a half hours home from church on Thursdays. Talk about being devoted. Talk about a person that is uh, thanking God for what God has done in his life. Well, Ken Landis lives in, uh, lives in Pennsylvania, but he goes to church in Brooklyn at the Brooklyn Tabernacle, and it's two, hour, two and a half hours from his house. And the reason he does it, you'd think, what's up with that, man? You've got, you got to have a lot of churches all around you. Why would you drive that distance? Well, he said that he grew up in church, and it was a good church. It was an okay church. Uh, he had a, a wife, and he had five children, and he loved his wife with all of his heart, loved his five children with, with all of his heart. He's a carpenter. And uh, when he would go to, to work sites and uh, drive in his truck and so forth, he would put in Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir tapes, and he just loved listening to their music. And he used to say, someday I'm going to go to that church and just check it out. Well, one day his wife came home. One night his wife came home and she said, Ken, it's all over. I'm leaving you. I, I met a man in line dancing and I'm moving in with him. Well, Ken was absolutely thoroughly crushed in his heart uh, because he loved his wife with, with all of his heart. And uh, so after a while he decided what he would do. That this one Sunday he would go to church at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. So he made the two and a half hour drives across uh, New Jersey, and he, and he got to Brooklyn. And he said, he walked in, and he was stunned. He was stunned because he immediately realized that he was in the minority. He was a white guy, and the church was filled with, with people of color. Now, he said, all my life, I looked down my nose at people of color. I didn't want to have anything to do with them. But I was surrounded by people of color. But at the same time, I knew that God was calling me to that church. I felt the presence and the power. I felt the love of God 
in that church. And the more he said I went to that church, the more I experienced the love of the people for me. And he said, every time I turn around, somebody's saying, I'm going to pray for you, Ken. Well, one night he was despondent and he was walking through Walmart and he was uh, looking to buy a hose that he could connect to his, the, 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 the tailpipe of his car and put it into his window. He was going to kill himself. He was despondent over the, lo- the loss of his, of his wife and, and had to give up his children. But something in him stirred and he made it through Walmart without buying that hose. And uh, he made it to church. And that particular Sunday, he said, Pastor Jim was preaching, and at the end of his sermon, as he was calling people forward for prayer, he said this. He said, some of you are carrying a burden. Some of you are carrying a load. And if you don't deal with that, if you don't allow God to deal with that, it's going to crush you. Well, he said, that's all I needed to hear. I jumped up out of my seat, and I (laughs) I ran forward to front of that church. And people were praying. And suddenly there was a hand on my shoulder. And when I turned around, there was a guy named Billy Stackland. He said, Billy Stackman, is, he's a guy from Haiti. And here was a person of color praying for me. And as he prayed for me, he said, I could feel the, the weight of my burden just being lifted. He said, I went back and I sat down in the pew. And when I sat down in the pew, he said, I had a pure heart. I just, I just forgave my wife. I even forgave the guy that, that took my wife. Because God had made me new. He was changing me. He was transforming me. Well, a few Sundays later, he saw in the bulletin that they were looking for volunteers to sing in the choir. And, and um, some woman came up to him and said, Ken, I've been listening to you. You've got a pretty good voice. And he said, well, I don't know. I don't think I can do this. And immediately she put her finger in his face and said, listen, this isn't about singing. This is about ministry. You see, what he was learning is that he could have confidence in God, not in himself. God had begun to work in him. And because God had begun to work in him, God was changing him, transforming him, making him into the man that God intended him to be. And now he had an opportunity to be partnered with God, to be used by God, to touch the hearts and lives of others. See, that's what God wants for you and me. To be confident in him, not in ourselves, but in him. And to understand that he's changing us moment by moment, day by day, in his gentle and kind and, and loving way. And then he wants to partner with us. Man, talk about thanking God for love. Hallelujah. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for a love that is beyond our imagination, a love that we just can't comprehend. The love that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. That you would be, you God would become a human being and come into this world and experience all of the all that we experience, and then go to a cross and take into your body our sin. What an amazing love that is. No wonder Paul was celebrating. No wonder Paul was thanking you. And then the icing on the cake was the people were getting it, they were understanding it, they were living it. Oh, we praise you, Lord, that you're doing that right here on Stevens Avenue. You're doing it right over there on Congress Street. That your love is getting deeper, it's getting richer, it's getting more wonderful all the time because we are growing in confidence. We are being changed, transformed by you. And more and more people are serving you. Lord, there may be people here today that are hearing this for the first time. There may be people here today that when I talk about you were dead in your sins and Now you're alive in Jesus. That sounds like mumbo-jumbo. What on earth is this guy talking about? 
Well, if it's unclear to you, it's because you've never surrendered to Jesus Christ. And he's speaking right into you right now. He hears every thought that you're thinking. He knows every beat of your heart. And he's got one message for you. He says, I love you. And I love you so much that I've died. My son has died for you and he's been resurrected to give you a gift. But you've got to receive that gift. You've got to unpack it. You've got to appropriate it. You've got to let it come into your heart. I pray for you this morning that if you've never received Jesus, seize this moment. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And the truth of the matter is you don't even know if you'll put your head on the pillow tonight. We're all going to die, but we don't know when. So I plead with you today, receive Christ as Lord and Savior. And it's very simple. It's as easy as falling off a log. I'm going to help you do it right now. In the quietness of your own heart, you can simply uh, offer up a prayer. I'll tell you what to say. It's not the prayer that's going to save your soul. It's, It's your soul opening up to the love of Christ. Do that right now, would you please? And simply say this. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned against you. Say that in your mind right now. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I've sinned against you. And I'm sorry for my sins. No big mystery here. I've broken your laws. I've sinned against you. Then say, thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross for me. And then say this. I ask you, Jesus, here and now, I ask you, Jesus, here and now, come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. Be my Lord and Savior. I want to live my life for you. And then simply say thank you. That's that's all you can do. That's all God requires of you. Just say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you forgive me. Thank you that you've saved me. Thank you that now I'm a child of the living God. If you've prayed that prayer, uh, you don't need me to tell you something's happened. And I, and I, I just pray that you would let me know or maybe somebody around you know before you leave this building. That's a way of sealing the deal. And God, for the rest of us, we just praise you on this, on this July 4th weekend. Uh, the blessing of you, Lord God, is overwhelming. And we just want to thank you for your love and grace. And we pray for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen and amen. Hallelujah.